0: time enough at last submitted for your consideration to sci-fi fans sean majors and keith conrad Rewatch the twilight zone from beginning to end it's like something out of that twilighty show about that zone mr fitzgerald fortune theater critic and cynic at large on his way to a birthday party if he knew what is in store for him he probably wouldn't go because before this evening is over that cranky old piano is going to play those piano roll blues with some effects that could happen only in the Twilight Zone.
1: Episode number 87 of the Twilight Zone was a piano in the house. And uh, Sean, I, I'm it, this one has probably the greatest collection of Twilight Zone names I've ever seen. <laughs> the some of the
0: greatest names, and honestly, man, every every uh, every actor is giving it their all in this episode. I love this one so much.
1: Yeah, it, it's one of those that like, uh, you know, younger Keith, you know, probably would have skipped. Oh, me Twilight, too. Oh, uh, oh, Absolutely, during um, you know, Twilight Zone marathons and such. But uh, and I and I hadn't seen this one in a long time, but uh, I definitely definitely enjoyed this one uh, upon reviewing. So so this is one that uh you know definitely rose in in my esteem uh, you know thanks to you know rewatching the series.
0: Of course, really anything with a player piano, uh I'm going to be on board with. It's uh quite possibly the most useless uh, uh item in relation to how large it is and its actual mm-hmm. function. Um and
1: it's just as expensive as a regular piano, <laughs> <laughs> and I love it to death. <laughs> so it's basically this episode of The Twilight Zone and Westworld. Pretty much, yes, yes. You're sold on on, on both of those. <laughs> uh, in this particular episode, we're following uh, drama critic Fitzgerald Fortune, and perfect. Um, perfect. It, so, so I'm uh, I'm a little bit conflicted on this one because I, I'm not sure if. <clears throat> like, uh, you know, Rod Serling and the gang, when they were making The Twilight Zone, they, they just sort of like, they, they just gave out, car- you know, careers to, to characters, you know, like it, it was just a <laughs> absolutely or, or if they honestly thought that, you know, all the drama critics in the world were basically Mr. Burns, <laughs> <laughs> you know, that, that guy who lives in the gigantic mansion uh, at the top of the hill. Oh, that's the drama, that's the town drama critic. I
0: also, I also just love the fact that like, you know, this is original air day is like, is February 62. And I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know when a drama critic has ever been like an accessible character for anybody like in between the coasts. Um, so <laughs> it's, it, it's just funny because there's never been like a drama critic in anything that you want to root for. It's always a stand in for like a, somebody who pissed off at writer. <laughs>
1: And when you look at him, he probably could have played the devil in the howling. Like, yes. That's what,
0: I, that's what I was thinking the entire time. He looks, he looks like he, he just came from filming that episode.
1: I, 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 don't think that he did, you know, it's entirely possible. I didn't look at the guy's uh, IMDB page. It's entirely possible. <laughs> the devil in, yeah. and, and by the way, I could, I could totally understand uh, Rod Sterling uh, being who he is uh, deciding to, 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 uh, you know j- just to make a a theater critic the bad guy just just because oh yeah of course why not yeah. um so I, so i'm looking up his uh, imdb page now uh let's see what was he the devil actually i could have done this the other way i could have actually looked
0: up that <laughs> wiki his yeah. wiki page says that he is best known for his roles in the abc television series the fugitive and the british sci-fi drama space 1999 also, he hung in there. If he was, yeah, if he was.
1: I, well, I guess I guess that's kind of an old, old series anyway. Uh, let's see. Uh, no, Robin Hughes played the Howling Man, so so it was a different guy. <laughs> Maybe it was
0: the uh, stage name. Um, the uh, yeah, I mean, just everybody. And every time you hear like Fitzgerald Fortune, it's like. I know it's the exact, it's, it's basically the, the same last name, but it's just so on the nose. It's like cask of Amontillado, uh, uh fortune, <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, Oh, how, <laughs> how ironic, like, you know, but still it in, in the, in the long, in the long hallway of, uh, of great Twilight Zone names that we've gone through in 87 episodes now, this is, that's really one of the
1: best. <laughs> Yeah, because, I mean, A, his last name is Fortune, so... Exactly. You know, that, that's for one thing, but but who has the who has the first name Fitzgerald? I mean, it, it, that's... Uh,
0: Every time I hear it, I always think it should be Fortune Fitzgerald. Uh,
1: you know, that would actually make a lot more sense as a uh, as a name, but uh, I also like the name of the shop that he goes to. I know. <laughs> Brock Merton. Oh, yeah, so, and they sell
0: curios.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Miss Throckmorton's son, you know, do, doing, doing good. <laughs> you
0: know, small practical curios, like a player piano.
1: Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, 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 as I was watching it and, and like, uh, you know, cause the very first scene is in the, is in the curio shop. And as I'm watching it, I'm going, you know, they, they kind of missed an opportunity by not making this, the same curio shop from, you know, the, the one with the genie or oh yeah <laughs> there's, there's, there's been a couple of uh, episodes that revolved around uh, you know curiosity shops and uh, you know it would have been a nice uh, little expansion of the twilight zone cinematic universe it uh, to, I, to bring in the same actors and and have them have them do I, that but then as we've as we've discussed like it was probably a budget thing
0: yeah of course i wonder how pervasive uh, curiosity shops were uh really at any time um, not in like, you know, the upper East side or whatever. Um, the, or upper West side, um, the, uh, cause I mean, most recent, I, I think the most me- uh, recent mainstream one is probably the one in gremlins, right? <laughs> That's probably the last time needful things. Maybe that probably came after gremlins.
1: Yeah, but I always thought of you know like a curiosity shop as just being like an antique store. So I mean, there is right there's plenty. Of them yeah, around. you know, it, it's just it just sounds a lot more dignified and, and hoity toity to say, oh, I run a curiosity shop, as opposed to oh, I run the antique mall down the street.
0: <laughs> if I had if my uh, short term memory or long term memory, I guess now is wouldn't isn't completely shot. Uh, I would bring up the uh, the Simpson the Simpsons reference of the uh, that's good.
1: Oh, that's bad. <laughs> the The is also cursed.
0: <laughs> oh, that's bad. It comes with a free Froger. That's it. That's it.
1: Uh, and so, you know, I, I had all sorts of thoughts as I as I'm watching this episode. Like, you know, uh, like I, I guess I'm putting too much thought into this, but why wouldn't you call ahead to the curiosity shop and find out if you had to play your piano?
0: That is the definition of of putting too much thought
1: in it. I I wouldn't go to the place unless I knew that he was going to have what I was looking for.
0: I mean, no one goes to a place just, of course they'll have a player piano. I'm not going to (laughs) call.
1: Well, apparently Fitzgerald Fortune does. (laughs) He he shares that attitude. Um, So... So he's looking for a player piano and he's kind of a dick just in the way that he's looking for the piano because he he says that he, you know, he wants, specifically wants a player piano uh, because his wife wants to play the piano, but he's sure that she's going to be really bad at it. So I better get one that'll play for her. I...
0: <clears throat> it, it really didn't reg- just because he's such an unlikable character throughout the entire episode. It didn't register to me uh, when I was rewatching this and how how much of a dick he really was in <laughs> in the store. Like I haven't seen somebody just so like needlessly unlikable since like Billy Zane in the Titanic. Like we need to make Kate Winslet's husband as unlikable as possible because we're scared people aren't going to embrace young Leonardo DiCaprio enough. Like, that is basically what Rutz Erling is doing, the F- Fitzgerald fortune.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, as if the beard, you know, because c- <laughs> the, the, the beard, you know, it's, it's got kind of, a, kind of a, a, a goatee sort of menacing look to it. Um, so, yeah, as if that wasn't enough of a clue, this is the bad guy. It looks it's, like. It looks it's like, like the, Darth Maul in 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 Phantom Menace. It's like, gee, I wonder if this is the bad guy.
0: It looks like the guy who drew on that mustache on the guy in Zardoz, like looked <laughs> like looked at this for for his like base
1: inspiration. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so somehow, uh, so, so basically, the 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 store owner. Demonstrates the player piano for him because he, when he walks in and asks him about it, he says he's not sure if it works or not. So, <laughs> sure. he's demonstrating that it that it works, and then he notices like a a just a immediate change in tone from the guy, and immediately because it's the Twilight Zone and they have to tell the story in 22 minutes, immediately he realizes, hey, this uh th- this player piano magically makes people show their true feelings about things. Yeah. So
0: I now I'm going to buy as many as possible. Do you have a second one?
1: Exactly. Yeah. So it's for so my buys, summer home. Buys the player piano and the uh, music, which, which, by the way, when you, when you think about what happens later in the episode, like he was gambling that uh, he was going to find a piece of music for all the people he wanted to humiliate.
0: And gambling. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll bring it up when we get there. But yes, g- gambling in a lot of ways.
1: <laughs> yes, he was. He, he was making a lot of some, sh- although I guess from his perspective, like either this piano would humiliate everybody he wanted to humiliate or he would get what he had set out to get, which was a player piano so that his wife could learn the piano, but also it would play itself in case she was as bad as he's assuming she is.
0: At a 20% discount. Um, <clears throat> I don't know why, especially when he just saw the previous owner of the player piano not immune to its powers why he would think that he would be immune to its powers anyway how does,
1: know the, how does he know the first piece of music that he plays on this thing isn't going to cause him to you know show yeah, his, for sure. himself uh, you know obviously we we know it because you know they needed uh, to to write an episode about it but oh, yeah uh, of course there, there, goes, <laughs> there goes keith putting too much thought into all this stuff.
0: <laughs> that's good <laughs>
1: uh so he brings it home and uh immediately he plays it uh for his butler marvin <laughs> who does not have a a a great twilight zone name he just he's just marvin it's uh
0: do you think it's uh marvin marvin barry uh chuck barry's ghost
1: <laughs> i that clearly who else could it be <laughs> uh so uh so marvin uh as soon as he hears, you know, whatever piece of music this is, he just starts bursting out laughing. And he's, uh, uh, you know, he talks about how, uh, how much he loves working there because fortune is is basically such a dick that it just makes him laugh, <laughs> uh, which, is, which is pretty great. I, I think
0: he, um, yeah, and uh you'd think that'd get to him, but uh that actually you th- that's kind of when you see that uh that crack in in Fitzgerald's uh veneer because when when Marvin kind of cracks or when when Marvin, you know, uh you know, says like he loves it, he's ha- you know, this is great, this is terrible like uh <clears throat> Fitzgerald kind of fights him on it. He's like, "Oh, well, you know, I don't I don't really treat you that bad." Like, so you see he's there is <laughs> there is that, like, insecurity, you know? Yeah. Um,
1: well, no, I, mean, I I think that, uh, you know, it kind of gets back to, uh, you know, Fortune had always thought of it as, oh, you know, this guy's just, he's depressing me, you know? Yeah. And he never never stopped to consider what he was doing to Marvin. Yes. Aside from making him want to move to Mars.
0: <laughs> There's a lot of things he can it's, it, it's a good character name. <laughs>
1: Uh, so then after that uh, he decides to uh, pick a, a piece of music for his wife and again he, he just magically picks the one that uh, you know speaks directly to her and she basically says that uh, she hates his guts <laughs> <laughs> and uh, um, so, so then a- after that uh, he he's having uh, he's having a party and um, he basically... He, he has a piece of music for all of the people there, including um, uh, Gregory Walker, who's a, a playwright, which, OK, maybe maybe this wasn't a, a great episode for Twilight Zone names.
0: <laughs> I okay. was um, so fortune is is good enough for a lot of things. And, um, you know, I, I, I also I feel I feel like a scumbag every time I bring this up. But, but like Esther is a very attractive woman. <laughs>
1: She is. And, and she's, she's only like 26. So I, I, well, and, and in twilight zone terms, she's probably, probably, uh, let's see. It was uh, Joan Hackett, by the way, Joan Hackett. Yeah. Uh, In case you were, in case you were wondering, uh, let's pull up her IMDB, DB page. Uh, she died when I was one, so she's oh, not been around for a, a long ships time. Passing in she was born night. in 1934, and we've already established that uh, it was in 62. 62. Yeah, so 28. Yeah, so she's she's right in the ballpark there. Uh, the um, I know did the it, Twilight Zone is realistic.
0: <laughs> 60 is the oldest age. Um, it, it, was it obvious? It, was Esther's dialogue obviously dubbed?
1: I didn't notice that. Like if it was dubbed, it wasn't like, um, you know, the bewitching pool dub. It was, it got,
0: it got kind of close to me when I, when I rewatched it uh, uh, close to bewitching pool uh, for me when I rewatched it. But um, maybe I was just transfixed on those
1: eyes. Could be. Yeah. I, uh, <laughs> yeah. I, it, it wasn't bad enough that I, that I noticed it at all. Um, maybe I was transfixed on the eyes. and I Yeah. <laughs> <know. laughs> I um,
0: so I I may have missed this um, but how does it transition from him realizing? Did like he he realizes that this is probably like um, revealing the player piano is revealing everybody's like innermost thoughts about right. themselves or him? Not that it really matters to him. Um, so he's just like I'll have a party and screw all of them over at once.
1: Yeah, I, I they, they don't really get into that. I, I'm. I'm assuming maybe they already had the party planned or more time passes than we, than we okay because
0: I was I was watching this on Hulu and the transition with like the ads and stuff like I couldn't uh, I didn't really make the connection
1: yeah I'm, I'm I'm betting that that we're just living under the assumption that more time passed I and mean, he, okay. he racked up some experience with his player piano and, and he was <laughs> like oh I can use this. Uh, so, anyway, Gregory Walker uh, admits that he loves Esther as much as Sean, mm. and uh, uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, really more because they they had some some sort yes. of shenanigans, uh, yes, you know, yeah, he was away, um, uh, and uh, Fitzgerald. Uh, I, I'm not sure if that really that, that seems like something that sort of backfires because it seems like that would humiliate uh, Fitzgerald just as much as as Esther. Yeah. Uh, but then he picks uh, Marge, <clears throat> Marge Moore, which I appreciate the alliteration. <laughs> it's good.
0: And, uh, and like she's overweight and her last name is Moore. It's good. It's good. This episode's great.
1: It works. She, by, by the way, when uh, a- after all this happened, she was so humiliated. She decided to completely change careers. Uh, Left Town became a, uh, a semi driver. Like Marge Marge.
0: Oh no. Just <laughs> tell him Marge Marge, don't you? Um <clears throat> the the actress, is um Marge Moore, uh she is fantastic. She is the, the best part of this episode. Like she is she is she, she, she is she chewing every bit of scenery she can, and I do not mean that as a fat joke.
1: Yeah, like like the second uh Fitzgerald shows up, you know, at the uh the curiosity shop, I just know that I don't like him. Yeah, exactly. But as soon as Marge shows up, I'm like, this seems like a nice woman. I, I like her.
0: Oh, I'm on board with this one. And like, you know, it's it. she shows up and they just kind of trade a bunch of fat jokes. Um, and she's totally cool with it.
1: She She's totally cool with it. And, and as she's talking about how she wants to be a, a, a ballet dancer and everything, I'm just like, you do you, Marge. Go, yeah, man. go you'll make it happen. I mean,
0: you know, I've seen Little Miss Sunshine. Craziest, crazier things have happened.
1: That's true. They they definitely have so so then Fitzgerald uh, decides to play uh, another piece of music and I and I guess this does demonstrate that he was gambling that uh, you know the, the music was going to you know affect somebody and he didn't necessarily know who yeah because he plays a, a uh, like a, a, a lullaby sort of thing and it actually affects him.
0: Right. So like, I, that's the thing. I I get the feeling that, you know, a bunch of time has not passed and he hasn't like researched like, Oh, you know, this song is going to affect this kind of person, et cetera, et cetera. I think he's just taking like a shotgun approach to this. Like I'm going to invite, you know, seven of my friends over four of which do not speak at all and just kind of play songs and see, you know, what happens. Um, And then if I find, if I find one of the, one of the songs, affecting myself, then I'm, you know, of course I, I have the control. I can shut it off immediately.
1: So he admits that he's afraid of everybody and that's why he's so mean. Yeah. But then he, he says that he, he wrote uh, bad reviews for for Greg's plays because Greg is just so damn talented yeah. and, and he's, and he's jealous, which, which to, to bring back, you know, one of my uh, earlier points, <laughs> A, this guy apparently became the richest man in town being a drama critic which I, I don't, I I just don't think that would happen even in 1962, when when you know print journalists <clears throat> were in, in much higher uh, higher esteem than they are today. <laughs> uh, and apparently he was he was basing his, uh, his his critiques on what he thought of the people personally, so I doubt he would have been very successful as a critic. Amazing. Everybody else loves this guy, and and uh, Fitzgerald doesn't, uh, just because he he's scared of him or whatever. I I don't think his his uh, his drama critic career would have gone all that well. Probably not. I think that like
0: <clears throat> there's got to be an, a term in the business for a character. Who is a drama critic who writes, gives everybody bad reviews, who's like, you know, notoriously uh, stingy with good reviews. And then it's found out he's so tough because he wanted to be a writer or a playwright or whatever and couldn't really cut it. And now he just does this out of spite. Like there's right. gotta be a term. If not, like, I just want to see a list of how many characters there have been written because it's one of the hackiest things in the world. And yeah, the writer, I,
1: I the, the term for it is not very creative.
0: <laughs> <laughs> like the writer, the writer of this episode, Earl Hamner Jr. Uh, with us until uh, 2016, the ripe old age of 92. Um, he uh, best known for his work in the seventies and eighties as a, creator of two, he created the Waltons and Falcon crest. Really? He's best known for Spencer's mountain. I have no idea what that is. Um,
1: how can he be best known for that? Like, like <laughs> as a novelist,
0: and... as, as a novelist, yeah, he's best known like for that, that. Yeah. but the Wal- Waltons and Falcon crest. And it's so weird because even people who can like move on, albeit, you know, 20 to 30 years after this episode, um, Like this is obviously very early in his career and he's, he's, he's showing hacky writing this hacky of, of writing here, but like he goes on to like create at least popular shows, the Waltons and Falcon crest. I haven't seen either one, but like people watched it. So I guess, you know, you can be as snipey and bitter as, 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 as you want as a, as a young person starting in your career, but you can still find success.
1: There's still hope for me yet.
0: (laughs) uh let me know how it feels <laughs> uh
1: so the guests they're all a little weirded out by everything that's happened understandably sure and uh, they leave including uh, uh esther leaves with greg so you know she she uh he, he totally leonardo dicaprio'd that go greg
0: <laughs> and he is greg is like the best looking dude in like several and I, I i don't know who's better looking in the twilight zone than
1: greg uh, probably not. Not many. Yeah, I mean, you, the uh, the, the the guy in the next episode will watch. I mean, he's he's a pretty good guy too. But, yes, but Greg's definitely up there. Um, which, which, as I'm watching them all leave, I'm I'm wondering what the divorce process was like. <laughs> <laughs> so somebody's going to have to explain. Yeah, there was a player piano, and it made him be a little too truthful. So I don't want <laughs> anything. I'm not sure if you were a lawyer, if you would really want to sign up for that case, or if you'd be like, yeah, I'm not going to do this. Why not? Um, Before
0: we get to the ending, I do have one technical question about this, because on Wikipedia, it says featured music, stock music, plus the player piano. Yet in this entire like, you know, just kind of reading this wiki like synopsis, there's one, two, three, four, five at least five songs that have links <laughs> in this wiki uh, synopsis. So like clearly they didn't pay for li- licensing these, all these like songs. So does that mean the player, like j- if you buy a player piano back then, did you just get the license to these songs to play it wherever you want?
1: Um, You know, it's, I,
0: it's not like Pandora now <laughs> where but, you have to like buy the business version.
1: So li- when you're licensing music uh, for things, um, you're basically licensing the performance. Okay. Um, so, like, um, you know. Uh,
0: oh, so they may have just performed. Just mm,
1: yeah. Mm. I mean the, the the player piano was probably they were probably legitimately recording the player piano playing that music, and so that got um, it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got so it. They didn't have to pay. Uh, oh, I never knew. Pay. I
0: never knew that it was the performance and not the actual like.
1: It, it might be different for tv but yeah you know so so this actually came up uh recently because of um so in my other uh podcast bringing up the lights you have um, other podcasts yeah can you believe it um uh so this see this the second little batch of episodes that i'm doing is about the nutcracker uh yeah the, the, the joffrey ballet uh doing the nutcracker here in chicago and um as like the the underscoring of that, I'm using a performance of the Nutcracker, but it's um, it, it's literally just from a a stock music library that I that I have. So if right. I if I wanted to use their performance like i wanted to actually record one of their performances and play it i would have to get their permission and and there would be some licensing issues with that but since i actually like have a music library without any royalties or anything i can i can just use that as as the underscoring because it's a different performance so tv might be different okay
0: that makes sense that makes a lot of sense um Well, uh, I'm, I'm not gonna, uh, I, I don't want this to sound like I was not listening, um, because I was, uh, but clicking around on Joan Hackett's, uh, Wikipedia page, um, right. who played Esther, uh, she is, uh, buried at the Abbey of the Psalms Mausoleum at the Hollywood Forever Cemetery, where her epitaph reads, go away, I'm asleep. I like that, it. That is the most toilet, <laughs> That that's fantastic.
1: <laughs> that, that, that that's amazing and uh that's almost as good as uh, uh when i die i want my uh my uh, gravestone to to read i told you i was sick <laughs> oh that's perfect that is perfect
0: so how does that, so what happens to our dear fortunato uh
1: fortunato he ends <laughs> up uh he ends up having a a tantrum uh he he basically destroys the uh uh, I, I'm not sure if he destroys the piano, but he definitely destroys the the music that was playing. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, and he he tears it up so that uh, it can't be used against him again. Uh, Marvin walks in, uh, looking uh, very dour again. And uh, Fitzgerald asks uh, Marvin not to laugh at him, to which Marvin replies, "I'm not laughing. You're not funny anymore."
0: That is See. devastating. Yeah. It's, it's it's not a Rush uh, Mount Rushmore episode but man this is I I don't remember liking this episode as much as I did. I'm so glad we're doing this podcast, Keith.
1: <laughs> it it was such a great idea, wasn't it?
0: <laughs> it's working out great for me. That's all. I'm Mr. Fitzgerald Fortune, a man who went searching for concealed persons and found himself in the twilight
1: zone. Gabatron